Welcome to the Off Trail Podcast. I'm Constantine. And I'm Magpie. And this is a show about light outdoors. Come take a step with us into what it takes to be a hiker, backpacker, rock climber, cyclist, or any other type of outdoor adventure. Let's get to stepping. Alright, welcome back to the Off Trail Podcast. My name is Constantine. And this is Magpie. And this week... Well, the flavor's not changing much, y'all, so strap in. It's another chat show. It's another chat show, and I'm looking at a lineup. I wish, because it's view, it's live. Didn't we quantify that this is a live show last week? I mean, it's straight off the dome, no edit, but it it's is, not live. Yeah, that's still No one live. can hear us now. And that's live in a sense. But what, why I was saying that is because I wish you could see the wall in front of me. Because our podcast studio is only the top of the line stuff, A-plus quality, we soundproof the walls, we make sure that we're sitting right next to the air conditioner, usually in a hotel room. We make sure that the highway is at least close enough by that sometimes you can pick up that freeway noise. So only A-plus quality for y'all. So what selection of energy drinks have you brought for us today, Constantine? Yes, this is what scared me. Um, We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven energy drinks in front of me. By the end of this show or by the end of these chat shows or who knows where this podcast is going, by the end of something, I have a feeling that our quote-unquote studio is just going to be like 20 different types of energy drinks in front of us. But that's digressing. Let's just get into it. The rambles have already started and I have not taken the first sip of the energy drink. So whew, this is something. Baby, can you please start at the beginning and read out what the first energy drink is called? Number one is called Alani Berry Pop Energy by Addison Ray. And it's very salacious. It's very girly. <laughs> it's very thought-provoking. Let's just say there's a strawberry and there's a mouth. And yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. So let's move on to the next one. That one does entice me a little bit. I put This it one's in... quite good, actually. It's called G Fuel Sour Chug Rug Energy Drink. That one really scares me. Sour Chug Rug sounds like it's going to be rough going down. It sounds like you're going to be eating a rug. It doesn't sound great, no. No, no. So let's move past that one. That one, <laughs> it's going to be scary. We're going we're to move past that one. Okay, we've got three bang energy drinks. Well, can you read... One, two, three, real quick. We got Delish Strawberry Kiss, we got Peach Mango, and we got Blue Raz. Uh, what I was looking for was you to say bang three times in a row. Bang, bang, bang. Oh, bang, bang, bang. There we go, yes. Okay, so bangs, those that you can find at any corner store, they're not really kind of unique, but we've had these bangs sitting around and wobbling around in our car now for a month. So hopefully maybe we can get a bang, but they don't grab my eye as much as some of this other stuff. So... Magpie, please, the next one. We have True North Pure Energy Seltzer Cucumber Lime Flavor. That doesn't sound too bad, actually. I detest cucumber lime. but Why did you buy it, then? Because it said True North, and I like the little compass thing. And I thought it would also be cute to be like, well, we're about to go hiking, so let's have a compass. But then I saw it was cucumber lime, and I don't know. I gotta find new energy drinks, so it was a new one, and I'm like, well, I'm gonna just buy it, so... Okay, right. very last one. Last but not least, Zoa Healthy Warrior Energy Drink, naturally flavored pineapple coconut, zero sugar, 160 milligram natural caffeine. Yeah, I want to be a warrior. I, I want to be a healthy warrior. That one might actually taste good, except I don't that like you coconut. don't like coconut. No, I don't. I don't like coconut at all. So, we have a selection in front of us. 
now it comes down to trying to decide what we should do. What level but of chaos are you after? Instead of us trying to decide what to do, since this is a live show, just leave a live comment below and tell us which one you want us to do, and we'll just tally those up. Okay, we'll wait. We'll give you a few seconds. This isn't actually a live podcast, by the way. You didn't miss, like, an invite or anything. I'm not seeing any comments below. Why is it not coming through? It ain't live, babe. Okay, well, in my mind it is. So, I think we're going to go to Zoa. I think I want to be a healthy warrior today. All right. I don't want to chug a sour rug, or as it says, sour... A sour ch- chug rug. Yes. Inspired I- by rug, whoever that is. <laughs> You're inspired by rug? That's inspired nice. by rug. Okay, so... With the beach font. I mean, I'm tempted. That was my second choice, honestly. I'm not pulled in by the bangs. The bangs are just bangs. So, okay, Zoa, let's, let's go for That's the first time you've ever said that you're not pulled in by the prospect of bang. Mm. You waited until I had a sip in my mouth to do that, huh? Uh-huh. Very smart. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so coconutty. Yeah. It's like I licked a suntanned coconut. So you know how like there's that oils like sunscreen oils. Yeah, the coconutty sunscreen. The coconut. Oil. So it's like somebody put that oil on a coconut and then I licked that coconut. So it's double the coconut. What is in this thing? Oh. We got electrolytes, antioxidants, aminos, camu camu, 100% daily value vitamin C, B vitamins, and now we're back to the beginning of the can. Oh, somebody signed it. Who signed it? Dwayne Johnson. It's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Okay, now I can get behind it. I still can't get behind the pineapple, but I I love The Rock. So So it's about healthy, positive energy that helps us all focus, be productive, and get stronger together. Should we just make this podcast about The Rock? We could talk about The Rock for a few hours. I mean, I don't know how much there is to discuss about Dwayne The Rock Johnson. We just talk about our love for The Rock for a few hours. We just swoon over him. I mean, I feel like that's a fairly, like orthodox position on the rock everyone loves him he's like the new tom hanks no but we can talk about except with muscles we can talk about our favorite movies of the rock we can talk about comparing him to other rocks like actual physical rocks because his muscles are so large mm, and in charge that he's actually a rock yes okay we're not going to do that to you i was hoping magpie would say that but i guess she wants me to transition it so what we're going to talk about, as you probably know by this point... Obviously. Every, Obviously this is a trail podcast. <laughs> at this point, you do know this is a trail podcast. So, we are going to talk today about the Appalachian Trail. And we're going to kind of broad stroke it like we did the PNT because we can't talk or break it down into days of either one of our hikes. But why we wanted to talk about the Appalachian Trail today is, one, it's the grandfather of trails, pretty much. It's that many people's first love into backpacking, first love into through hiking, but it's also a trail that Magpie and I did not hike together, and I thought that would be a fun little flavor while we drink flavors of energy drink to chat and discuss a trail that we both had different opinions on at different times in our lives and what we thought about it. Yeah, uh, it's also important to note that I did not finish the Appalachian Trail. I didn't even come close. Um, so I hiked southbound. I had the plan to do it in like less than 90 days between oh, two other an aggressive trails. pace, baby, an aggressive pace. A very aggressive pace, a very aggressive energy drink swig as well. Oh, I'm going to sit back. You can, You're please, so distracting. Please continue. You're so distracting. Please I've lost continue. my train of thought completely. It's like I'm chewing a coconut right now and it's not nice. You know, no one's like making you do this, right? <laughs> yes, they are. It's live. They voted on it. <laughs> So I hiked uh, all of Maine and a little bit into New Hampshire before I um, 
had to get off trail due to uh, a family emergency. Mm-hmm. That's about as much as I want to get into about that. But yeah, you were, I, going, you were going quick. I was going hard. Yeah. So let's see. I summited Katahdin in the first day. You did a 30 the first day, didn't you? Pretty close. Because, you know, I had to start at the beginning, so I had to hike an extra, whatever, seven miles up to get there. Mm-hmm. Got up to the top at 2 o'clock in a hailstorm. Mm-hmm. Had to climb back down also in a hailstorm, which was uh, pretty sketchy. Yeah, that's pretty sketch. And then... And you had a fever, like, this The next, next day. day, I started to get sick. I had the flu for three days, but I still managed to keep, like, high 20s, which, if you've never done the Appalachian Trail... I thought it would be easy going in. Like, I, I started this trail having already done the CDT, the PCT, the Pacific Northwest Trail, and, like, some small trails in Canada. I was in pretty good shape at this point. It was immediately after the PNT. Yeah, just that. So I was like, well, shape. people do this as their first trail. Like, how hard could it be? You know, people are doing, like, 15s on it, but I'm sure they could do double that if they tried. Actually, it's, like, pretty difficult. It's difficult. And if, especially if you have a big pack, your first trail, like, 15s, you're pushing... Majority of the day. Yeah. I mean, you're getting to camp early t- still, but like Magpie, this was the year that we actually met, 2019, and like she said, she came straight from the PNT to the Appalachian Trail, trying to Sobo it in 90 days, which it's such a different type of hike. Like, Oh, I had 88 days left of my visa, yeah. so my plan was to do it in 87 days so that I could leave the country. Yeah, and the Appalachian Trail, at least how I recommended it to Magpie, we were having chats about it before she started, was, yeah, that's doable that's a doable pace but that's something that you would want to do after you've experienced it once because the at is very unlike any other backpacking trail through hiking trail whatever you want because it's not so much at least in my opinion it's not so much about the vistas the views you have some beautiful green tunnels through there but it's really about the culture there's no other culture like the appalachian trail culture and the community so I certainly saw that, running it out southbound. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really have anyone around me that was going as fast as I was. And also, like, I started really late for a southbounder. And I was really close to Katahdin, so I was passing all of these, like, families of people who'd been hiking together for, like, five, six months. Yeah. Uh, It's not like they were unfriendly, but they just didn't have room for anybody else to talk to. And, you know, I was going southbound, so they weren't going to see me again. And especially when you're doing miles like that, you're putting yourself in that quote-unquote company you're putting yourself in your own company because nine out of ten people on the Appalachian Trail aren't going to be doing 30 plus miles nobody I mean was 9.9 out of 10 people even if that's possible to get point ones of people which I don't know how I don't know how averages work is what I'm trying to say here but 9.9 out of 10 people aren't doing 30s on the AT and if you are that's awesome but you're doing a very different type of hike than the quote-unquote standard Appalachian Trail experience Funnily enough, I did actually meet uh, someone that I knew from the CDT who was doing the Appalachian Trail again, going northbound. What were they doing? What kind of mileage? Actually, pretty high mileage, but he was, like, hiking with some other people that I also knew from the CDT. So yeah, it was, s- like, triple crowners that were just like, well, let's just do the Appalachian Trail for fun. Yeah, and if you're coming off of it having already done that trail and then also having done other trails, mid-20s, kind of sweet spot. Yeah. Pop in some 30s there, but, like, they weren't trying to beat a time clock. They were just, like leisurely seeing what miles they got each day and that's like that is the flavor of the Appalachian Trail walk walk until you don't want to walk each day you're going to find a camp spot there's going to be a town go until you don't want to go no more yeah so I heroed every town that I passed through that's not fun um I almost like swam the what's the thing called Knobscot Ford 
Kennebec. Kennebec Ford. The Kennebec River. Yeah. Don't swim that. It's I, a damned river. I didn't swim it, but yeah. I just barely missed the canoe, and I ended up having to stay overnight and only, quote-unquote, did 22 miles that day. And for all those software robots that were listening to that word, that was a D-A-M word. Uh-huh. Because it's a physical object. I think they can understand context. We're nothing but polite on this show. Uh-huh. We never curse. No, never. We never put innuendos in anything. No, anyway. Innuendos in. Get that? You keep being distracted. I'm sorry. Please continue. The boa <laughs> got me going. It's a zoa. I feel like a boa constrictor, but you may continue. Okay. I'm sorry. I totally lost my train of thought again. You try to swim a river, which is not advisable. Well, I didn't swim it. I didn't even try to swim it. I thought about trying to swim it and decided not to. Smart. And had to wait till the next morning, was very frustrated. So, yeah, I didn't have a great time on the AT. It rained every day. Yeah, the AT, yes. It, yeah, I had a fever. Yeah, not standard on the AT. But... A lot of people do get sick <laughs> on the AT. A lot of people do get sick and varying types of sickness. One of them is the norovirus. And for people that are listening that don't know what that is, it's contamination of... How am I going to put this PG? A lot of the time it's contamination... Nine it's, times out of ten, it's... It's the fecal-to-oral route of transmission. Yes, it's kind of real nasty but it's not like it's from people not washing their hands and touching stuff and then there's just so many people that stuff gets spread everywhere it's not like somebody walked by a wall and just smeared it's just nobody's washing their hands please wash your hands Mm -hmm. and it's also from close proximity and shelters all that stuff and it's just like sardines in a can so people do get sick norovirus um there's other sicknesses that i'm not going to talk about on the at um (laughs) There's a lot of stuff that goes on on the ATVs. It's the most popular trail. Yeah, and it's a lot of young people out yes. on their own for the first time. Yes. So yes. that's where other... That's where other things get th- passed things, around. Yeah, come around. So let's describe what the Appalachian Trail is. I know most of y'all listening probably know what it is, but for the, those of you that don't, for some reason, um, we're going to just hit, hit you with some broad stroking of what the Appalachian Trail is. So the Appalachian Trail is, what is it, 2,100 miles? You want me to give you exact? Yeah. 2,182.3 as of the year I did it, but now they're saying it's 2,190.1. So every year it changes because Just so many slightly. because so many people hike it that if there's one down tree, because this is how good trail maintenance is on the Appalachian Trail, there'll be a line like a half of a circle of people walking around it, and then those also add up. But most of the route, like, forgive me for quoting this with not actually knowing, but like I think 90% of the route is like unchangeable, like. They have land grants. They have exactly where the route's going to go. They're not... It is locked in. Yeah, they're not doing reroutes. They're not doing all. It's like, when you walk the Appalachian Trail, you're walking the Appalachian Trail. People get real... So it goes from Georgia to Maine, or Maine to Georgia, but most people do it northbound. You know what's real upsetting in there? What? They cut out South Carolina. Yeah, they just they just went around your state. <laughs> For all of you that don't know, I'm originally from South Carolina, and I have some South Carolina pride. It's not a whole lot, um... But I do have some because wherever you're born, you want to have at least that little piece in your heart that feels for that state. And the Appalachian Trail, it starts in Georgia, which is technically south of South Carolina. And somehow it just magically, poof, skips South Carolina and pops up in North Carolina. Not okay, Appalachian Trail. Not okay. Where would they go in South Carolina, though, through the swamp? Let's not worry about where. The Appalachian Mountains don't go through South Carolina. I know. Let's not worry about where. They can still just pop in for... Maybe say five miles, say hi real quick, and then just come right back out. So the other thing about the AT's route being so set, I mean, what, wasn't it like designated in like the 1900 or something? So they started first talking about it, I believe, in like 1930. For everybody that's listening to these podcasts, 
Our information is off the top of our heads. We did no research beforehand besides the facts that we learned about the trail while we were on it and also from the hiking rumor mill. So don't quote us on these facts. So basically the trail from infancy to now has existed for nearly 100 years. And its current form, it's existed since like the 60s, I think. Yes, I I would agree with that. Like it's been fully built and like had all its land grants and everything settled for like 70 years. I would not agree with that. 60s, they were still, I think, trying to acquire land. Okay, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 20, 200, 2000s, 2010. Yeah, so like 60 years. It's been in basically its current form. Yes. Quick side tangent. Don't you love doing this? Because this was like before the Google machine. People actually had conversations. Instead of saying, oh, you know what? I'm going to just Google it and look up the exact information. You get to have theorizing. You get to have like some rambles. You get to just like have a chat and like be like, well, I think that's when it happened. I don't so, know. <laughs> I love having conversations without the Google machine. Tangent ended. Well, that's why you love parking partly. Parking? P- hiking partly. Oh, why? Because no Google machine. Yes. I would chuck a Google machine off the cliff. If I could metaphorically pick up all the servers of Google and chuck into the water, I would. Well, not water. A black hole. Okay. Which, if I drink enough soa, I think I could create my own black hole. All right. Okay. Anyway, sidetrack. So because the trail's route has been set basically as it is for so long, there's a kind of different culture on the AT. I mean, all through hikes have this to an extent of like wanting to be true to the route and like wanting to keep the footsteps connected. That's the definition of a through hike. But the AT, some people get, it's called purity. Purism. Yeah. Purity. Purity. I think purity is a different thing. No, trail purity. I've heard it described as this. I have also never heard the word purity or trail purity used for the AT, especially not the AT. I've heard purism. Purism? Purists, yeah. Yeah. Purity has a different connotation and I don't associate the AT with purity. (laughs) There are trail purists on the AT that like so you go off trail to these little shelters along the way. That's where most of the campsites are located. And yes. they're located along maybe like a hundred foot side trail. Yeah, sometimes they, a little more, sometimes a little less. Often they have a north and a south entrance. But some people will not consider you to have hiked the entire Appalachian Trail if you went in by the south entrance yeah. and left by the north entrance of the shelter. They want to They want to put their feet on every single inch of the AT. Yes. So yeah, the trail culture with the Appalachian Trail there is massively different than any other trail system. Um, the only comparison I think could be somewhat on the PCT, but with fires now. Nobody it, walks the same close. PCT. But there's yeah, there's that thing. Instead of a connected footpath on the AT, it's no, you have to touch every single white blaze. And I think that's starting to phase out a little bit. It was a lot of the old timers. Um, People they, still do it, but it's less common. Yeah, I mean, I hiked with a lot of old-timers on my hike of the AT, and they beat in that sense to me, saying, don't listen to music, you have to do it this way, you can't do it that way, you're not really experiencing the trail if, like, you distract yourself from any part, and it took me, like, three years to get out of the side of that mindset, so, like, when I did it, I think, again, it shifted in 2016, but there were a lot of old-timers that have been hiking for a long time, and they're just, like, there's one white right way, and it took me... Like I said, three years to get outside of that mindset, but it's a mindset that just grabs a hold of you, but yeah, we're going to move on past that. Um, I do want to unpack that one a little bit, but we can circle. I wanted to mention it. The other thing to know about the AT is that there aren't switchbacks, 
and there aren't views, so to speak. It, people call it the green tunnel. You are going to piss off so many people. There are views on the AT. I'm going to be the one that comes in here. And defends like, the AT. Like little... I didn't have a good time on it because I was sick and I was worried about my friend who was dying. Oh. And because it was going too fast and didn't appropriately pace myself. So I think where our positions in this podcast so far is like Magpie's the little caterpillar before the chrysalis. And I'm the butterfly of the AT flapping the wings being it's all beauty. And Magpie's like... I need to see the beauty. I will see the beauty. It has a reputation as being a green tunnel, though. It does, it does not have the same level of, like, high mountains or spectacular views as, say, the PCT does. There's no very little ridgeline walking. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of you are in the forest. And there are charms to the forest, for sure. Yeah. But it's not the same. Speaking of the charm of the forest, so for people that do the Appalachian Trail first, this was really weird for me because all my hiking up until that point in my life was wooded and like extreme east coast wooded, which means very thick foliage. So after I finished the AT, like many people do, they choose the next trail, which a lot of the time is going to be the PCT. And for the first few days on the PCT the following year, I was feeling uncomfortable and I couldn't put my finger on why I was feeling uncomfortable until all of a sudden it clicked. It was like, there's no trees. Like it's just wide ex- expanded open things of land. And, like, that sense was, like, it's beautiful, but, like, I didn't feel, like, sheltered and hugged by the forest, and I was feeling, like, a little uncomfortable during that. See, being from the West Coast and, like, having done a lot of my hiking on the West Coast up to then, I felt, like, claustrophobic. Yeah, probably the complete opposite feeling. And it was, like, so rainy. I don't like rain. If there's one thing that really pushes me off of doing the AT a second time, which it still bounces around in my head for a a lot of the time, but... It's the rain. I don't like rain. So why don't you tell us about your AT experience then, in contrast to my short abbreviated one, which the only part of which I enjoyed was Mahusik Notch, basically. So my AT experience was, I started in 2016. It was my first through hike, and it really kind of opened a lot of doors for me. Um, I had no idea what I was doing going into there. There were many times I carried out pound ranch bottles for the other pound of carrots that I packed out. Didn't you pack out extra shoes? Let's not worry about how like months. Let's not worry about how long I carried an extra pair of boots. It wasn't an extra pair. It was I started the ATM boots, and they disintegrated in the first 400 miles about. And then I was so sentimental with them that I wouldn't get rid of them. So I just put them on the back of my pack and carried them for a few another hundred miles. Yeah. Yeah. So honestly, the miles I was doing on the AT, it would be hard pressed to say I did many days that were over mid 20s. I think most of the days I did were 15s, 20s. I probably did a lot of 10s. Um, The AT, it was just that type of trail for me. You don't have a lot of weather windows, so you can just go. There's not a whole lot of stuff holding you back. You just walk when you want to walk and stop when you want to stop. And the Appalachian Trail was also a big introduction to me, the first introduction to me, to trail community. And I had... My first trail family that lasted for about 500 miles, and then everybody wanted to start doing different paces. So shout out Turtle, shout out Moonshine, shout out Fireball, shout out Tortuga, which is another turtle, but Spanish. Um, Shout out Scrat. I miss Scrat. He's a little, you know, like Scrat from Ice Age. Yeah. He was a cool guy. So shout out all y'all, and then everybody wanted to do different paces. So I met my next trail family pretty much the next day. And we went all the way to the end. So shout out Tree Hugger, shout out Mermaid, um, shout out Nilla. And it was just, it was awesome. Um, Pretty much the AT experience for me was 
always being around other people and always doing group decisions, always camping together, most of the time always hiking together, never listening to music, never listening to podcasts, just a completely different style of hiking that I do now. Yeah, I think that that is probably the most enjoyable way to do it. Mm -hmm. I feel like I couldn't go back and do the AT that way now, though, because I've, like, learned to hike in the style that I do, and I enjoy it. I agree with you. I honestly, I loved that experience for what it did for me and what it introduced me to, but going back, if I ever did the AT again, I would want to go southbound. Yeah. Because I think ending on Katahdin is a beautiful thing, but the sheer amount of people, now that we're doing all these trails that are very remote, not that many people, it would kind of be overwhelming in a sense of like getting to a camp spot and there's 30 people and you'd still have a lot of that community and love for it, but it would also be a little overwhelming, I think. Yeah, I ended up avoiding shelters a lot of the time when I was hiking south because I had just come off the PNT and like found it, uh, yeah, rather overwhelming and also like I wanted to go to bed yeah. early. <laughs> when it's a different type of hike, it's a different type of hike. Yeah. When you're pushing miles, you're like, I want to get to camp. I'm using camp as a place to like crash hard. Yeah. When and you're... I was hiking so late, which would mean that if I did get to a shelter, like yeah. there was no place for me to set up a tent. I got there like at sunset and everyone else had been there for hours. And when you're hiking the AT in the quote unquote traditional way, you're getting to camp and you're just staying up because tomorrow you can wake up at 9, 10, 11, 12. You can wake up whenever you want and do whatever miles you want. So you're going to be staying up, kind of soaking in that community. And there's no right or wrong way, but I agree with you. I don't think I could go back into the quote-unquote bubble. And, I mean, I could. I don't think I would enjoy it to the degrees I enjoyed it the first time. Yeah. So the AT, it's very hard to encompass how much it meant to me um, as my first thru-hike. And what it did to open the doors for the way I live my life now, we live our life now, and it's it's so hard to talk about the emotions, just the trail family. It's so broad and so expansive that my mind's kind of really trying to put a finger on what I want to talk about right now. But maybe we'll find some more emotions here in a second. Instead, let's just circle back and keep broad stroking what the AT is because my emotions hurt now. And we need to... You feel nostalgic for young Constantine? Yeah, I feel nostalgic for young Constantine. He was a bulky boy. He was a bulky boy. You had no neck. You weighed like 200 pounds and you're only like 5'8". 5'10". On a good day. On a good day. But yeah, the bulkiness was not fat, folks. It was... I was coming off of ice hockey and being pretty much a gym rat where I'd work out in a gym for at least few, a few hours a day. So I, I've seen photos. He looks like a completely different person. Yeah. All, my, all I was was upper body. I just, all I had was chest. Like my, tra- I had a trainer for when I was hopefully going to do something with hockey in my lifetime, but I got injured. I'm not going to go into that story, but I had a trainer and he kept wanting to get me bigger and bigger and bigger. And then one day I like barely could shut my arms because like my neck and my pecs and my arms were just... It was too big for my frame. It wasn't okay. Yeah, you like, you looked like, I don't even know, like an Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, Barbie doll or something. <laughs> because I was shorter than Arnold. You're a large boy. Yeah, I don't know what I looked like. It wasn't a good look. I mean, I'm not going to go into this, but some ladies appreciated it on the AT. Yeah, it sounds like they did. <laughs> so, the AT, we talked a little bit about the percentage of people on there. We talked a little bit about... The feelings both of us have for that trail. Um, we talked about where it goes through. It goes through 14 states. So maybe, I guess, we can try to... 
I guess I could try to break it apart, but I want to involve both of us in this conversation. I was going to say like break it. I we don't need to break it down by state. Like people know about the AT. I guess it is so saturated that we don't have to like define it like other trail systems. Yeah, I mean, I think Maine is supposed to be the quote unquote hardest part of it as well, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. Once I got past the like quote hard part, I even actually started enjoying it less because it's not like it's easy. The rest of the trail is just like. A lot of pointless up and down, in the trees, in the rain, not a lot of views, and like, when I was doing the hard part in Maine, at least you would like get up to the top of something and then go down the back side instead of just doing little roller coaster bumps, so yeah, Maine, once I got out of the difficult bit, it was both, it was a bit boring, Yeah. it was not easy. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was like a bad a bad mix of boring and hard. And I think why Maine is so hard one just naturally the train, um, a lot of the train on the AT is just naturally hard. But I think one of the reasons it's so hard is for northbounders, at that point, however long you've been on the trail, your knees are shot. Um, oh yeah. With those ups and downs on the Appalachian Trail. And it's roots and mud yeah. and rocks. It's not like it's smooth, easily easy sailing. Like it's actually pretty difficult to just maintain yeah. a three mile per hour pace, even when it's dry. I did a face plant off a of North Kinsman. I think that's New Hampshire, actually. I believe it's New Hampshire. But it's so muddy up there and so boggy. There was like this one boardwalk, and I missed a step and did a face plant off of the boardwalk, launched myself away from the mud so I didn't sink in the mud, and tumbled down like this rock face and smacked my face into the rock. The amount of times I fell on the AT was extreme. I don't usually fall, and even I fell a few times on the AT. I was also very unbalanced. I had a turtle shell on my back. I had a 60-pound pack on my back. That's insane. Maybe not 60. That might be an exaggeration. A few times, it definitely got close to 50. I wouldn't be able to hike with a pack that heavy. Like, I just wouldn't be able to. I'm not strong enough. At one point, I carried two sleeping bags. What? Why? Let's not worry about this. Why? Okay, so I (laughs) I didn't know how to use the postal system. Oh. (laughs) So I didn't know you could send stuff ahead and just arrive there and be like, oh, I have a box. So I carried my cold weather sleeping bag and my warm weather sleeping bag. Yes. And then I also carried about an outfit per day. Why? If well, you, you ca- still do, actually. If you No, I don't. If you keep asking why, this is going to be a long show. If you just accept it for what it was, we don't have to go into All right, the whys continue. behind it. What else did you carry? Um, I carried a lot of figurine Buddhas. Oh, yeah. You do like those. I carried one that was a statue that was, like, at least two pounds. Like, from Home Depot? I forget where it was from, but it was big. It was chunky. It was, like, a garden Buddha. It was, yeah, it was big. <laughs> it was real big. Um, I The food bag, I honestly ended up carrying, like, five days of food all the time because I didn't know how to resupply. So I wouldn't, like, eat my food until I ran out and then got to the next town. I would just carry, get to the next town, put more food in my bag, carry. So I always had food in my bag. Um, my electronics bag, honestly, I don't remember what it was, but I guarantee it was a mess. Yeah, very large. Yeah, I had a brain on my pack at that time. Oh, yeah. And that was just a collect-all. I remember finishing the AT, and I filled up a little plastic bin. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how large, um, 8 by 11, I don't know, somewhere in there, like vanilla folded, large. Yeah. I filled that entire thing up, which is with just the random stuff that I collected, in the top of my pack. You haven't changed that much. I've changed a lot. Now you just fill up your hip belt pockets with random stuff. It's not It's not carried weight. It's worn weight. <laughs> <laughs> I know the difference now. But the Appalachian Trail, I mean, it's just, for people that are looking for something, 
that is new, exciting, for people that are trying to get introduced into the through hiking culture, it would be my number one recommendation. Yeah, it's a, the thing with the AT, even though the terrain is quite difficult and the weather can be um, not the friendliest, Yeah, it's a very forgiving trail because of how much support it has. Yes. There's towns very frequently and there's so many people on it, like... I'm not going to say it's impossible to get yourself into a bad situation on the AT, but you have a lot more chances to fail and, like, figure out what it is that you're doing. You can carry a stupid heavy pack and, like, learn as you go and kind of figure it out or not. Yeah. And so it makes it a good first trail for probably most people. I mean, I started with the CDT, but I recognize that... um, Jumping in at the deep end is not how most people like to do things. No, I think, the, like you said, the forgiveness ratio on the AT is way larger. If you make a mistake, somebody's going to be there that can help you within the next 10 minutes. Or you'll be able to get to a town within the next few hours. You make kind of a bad mistake on the CDT, you're, you're going to have, have a few days. You won't have a few days till you get some help. Yeah. So, yeah, it's way more forgiving. And then also the support that we had touched on earlier, like the community, every single trail town you go to. Their main business is the AT. I would say maybe not every single one's main business is, but like, yeah, many small towns, their main industry is Appalachian Trail through hikers because they have thousands come through each year. Don't like 4,000 people attempt the AT? I think it's more at this point. Yeah. So I think it's And thousands of people finish. Yeah. Like, the the finish to start ratio on the AT is higher, I think, than any other long trail. So the year I did it, 2016, it was growing in finish percentages because the year I also did it was when more technology was accessible. So, like, when you have a phone or a smartphone, I think it gives people relief when they're maybe feeling a sense of loneliness or feeling a sense of disconnection. And I think in the past that might have what pushed more people off trail. Yeah, Definitely. If you don't, if you're like relying on payphones and stuff, yeah. I can see that being very isolating. Well, not even relying on payphones. Like getting to camp when you're still learning the ropes and still like figuring it out, or even when you've opened up pace and you haven't hiked with somebody for a while, it's like people have everything in their phone nowadays, so they can always feel connected. And this is a theory, but it's one of the theories that I think we've seen increase in percentages of people finishing trail systems because now there's just such big infrastructure on the trail itself as well as something you carry in the palm of your hand. Yeah, I mean, but that said, like, other trails definitely don't have as high a finish to start ratio. But they're increasing as well. Everything's increasing, but I think that, yeah, definitely is due to technology. But I mean, like, the CDT still has, like, a, I think, less than 50% finish rate. The PCT, I think, is about 50% finish that start. I don't know where you're getting these numbers from. I don't I don't know if it's 50%. Mm, I mean, at least the year I did it, it was about 50, it was sub 50%. It was about 40% of the people that started southbound, at least. That seems like a high completion rate. The AT is 25%. What? The year I did it, it was 25%. It's more than that now. It's probably increased, but I don't, I don't think it's increased to 50%. Uh, I mean, I may, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just Don't quote us on these facts, head. folks. I'm just pulling numbers out of my head. Yeah. At least... This is totally anecdotal, but from the people that I knew of on those trails. That's not fair, because you probably knew strong hikers because you started out as a strong hiker. That is true. But not everybody's a strong hiker right at the beginning. That is true. Okay. It takes time to I've learn. Ma- scratch this from the record. Delete this entire conversation, from, put it in the memory hole, and just throw it away. We're, we're not going to do that. We don't edit. We're not. At t- I'm telling them to self-edit. Yeah, they won't do that either. 
I don't have a whole lot of faith in them not using this against us in court, baby. Who's going to take us to court? Zoa. Dwayne The Rock Johnson would never take you to court. I would actually love to go to court with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Actually, it would be scary. Yeah, that'd be scary. Everyone likes him. That means everyone would hate you. Okay, bring out... Let's throw away all these legalities and let's get back to the Appalachian Trail. So the Appalachian Trail, what we're talking about is the infrastructure of the towns and how the awareness of it also creates something that's way more cohesive to enjoyment of this trail. Because as Magpie and I have done more of these lesser known trails that are also starting to grow, sometimes it's energy draining to go into a town and get looked like you're a homeless wanderer or get looked like you're quote unquote trash. Or even just like go into a town and have people ask you what you're doing. Like in, even not in a hostile way, but having to constantly be an ambassador for the trail system you're on can be quite draining when you're, I think I've mentioned this before, when you're like not having a good day, but you're in a town that doesn't know about the trail and you have to be like, it's great. I love hiking. You have mentioned that before, yeah. I, I know the specific trail that you've mentioned it about before, which we're going to floss over. Gloss over. Floss and gloss over. It's more if we than gl- one, though. Yeah, if we gloss over it fast enough, it would be flossing. Okay. You see what I did there? Yes, you've changed the topic again. <laughs> yeah, let's circle back the third time, back to the communities, because we keep getting off on tangents here. But the communities of the Appalachian Trail truly are something special. You go in, everybody knows when they see a pack on you that you're an Appalachian Trail through hiker. There's banners that welcome Appalachian Trail through hikers. The amount of hostels where you can stay cheaply, affordably, um, almost every single town. I'd be hard pressed to name one that doesn't have a hostel for AT through hikers. Somebody listening to this probably knows a town. I'd be hard pressed to name one. It's just everything is catered towards helping you along your journey. Yeah, it's definitely super supportive of the communities that it passed through. I mean, I even saw some of that, even though I didn't really go into towns. Mm-hmm. I was on the AT for what, like eight days, ten days? Mm-hmm. I stayed in town once. <laughs> yeah. The one, and I don't even know if I want to quantify this as a downside, but at least in my opinion, where we are right now within our hiking, I'm hesitant to use the word career because that makes me feel a little weird. Our hiking journey. Our hiking journey, yes. I like chewing granola sometimes. Um, But where we are within our own hiking journeys is the one downside that I'm, again, hesitant to say is a downside is that almost every town on the AT, you do have to hitch into. Yeah, but hitching's easy. Everyone knows what you're doing. But unlike other trails that are more remote, they route you through the town because... You ain't getting a hitch. You ain't getting a hitch. So, like, (laughs) I love being able to walk directly into the town. And, again, the AT, so many people know about it that you walk to that trailhead and sometimes there might even be two cars waiting to give hikers a ride into town. It's just personal preference. Um, So, again, I'm hesitant to call it a downside, but you will do a lot of hitchhiking on the AT um, you, you do give up a little bit of control when you're hitchhiking over your pace because you don't mm-hmm. necessarily know when you're going to get a ride in or out. So you have to build that time into your schedule. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that can be a little bit of a downside. I think I'm very good at giving up control. <laughs> Why do you make such a noise out of your mouth with wind exhalation? <laughs> we don't need to worry about that. Okay. So the Appalachian Trail, I've said it a few times here already. It It's truly something special. It's something that... I would highly recommend as experiencing your first hike because... If you do it as a second hike, you're not going to have as good of a time. You're not going to appreciate it in the same sense. And we're generalizing here, so maybe someone might. But for most hikers, 
the Appalachian Trail is going to be special because it's that first hike. and It's a bit of a unique beast among long trails as well. Yeah. Like, n- nothing else is like the AT in terms of its, like, terrain, in terms of the culture around it specifically. Like, there is such a thing as, like, quote-unquote, an AT hiker. Mm-hmm. And you can see them on other trails. I was li- we're on a good wavelength. I was literally thinking the same exact thing when you said that. And there that. are people who hike the AT like over and over and yeah, over again and just love it. And they've gone and done other trails. And they're like, oh, it's not the AT. It's not what I want. You could even call them an enigma. You could. <laughs> I don't think enigma's an AT hiker though. <laughs> uh, playing with your enigma. I don't know if you listen to this, but um, no, he's not. He's not. But I thought that was fun. But yeah, you can even just see them from miles away. Yeah. Especially on some of the other popular long distance trails, you'll see someone toting a big old osprey in a group of six, and you're like, they just finished the AT. And there's also a certain way that hikers interact that are fresh off the AT or have done the AT multiple times. Like, it's an AT type of interaction, and I wish I could define that better, but it's an AT interaction. It's almost like music festival vibes, but a hiker. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. yeah. They're just yeah. out here to have a good time, man. Yeah. Remember, this is going to be a tangent for y'all. Remember when we watched the AT hiker on Naked and Afraid? Yeah. She was <laughs> such an AT hiker. But it blew both of our minds. She actually made it through. She actually made it through just out of sheer stubbornness. She had no idea what she was doing. No. She was miserable the whole time. And... Her partner did carry the team on his back. He, yeah. She would have died within the first few days. She would have also, like, quit if she hadn't had such an accommodating nice dude. Okay, so instead of us trying to describe what an AT hiker is... Go watch that episode. Go Google Naked and Afraid AT, AT hiker, hiker, and you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Because the way she interacts with this guy, you can just tell he's like, enough. Like, I've, I've had enough. Let me go crawl into my hidey hole. Like, enough, enough, enough. Yeah. It was hilarious. Yeah, AT Hiker Vibe is like music festival slash college dorm on orientation. Yes, and we're not saying anything... It's not bad, no. it's just its own thing. Yeah, it's there's nothing right or wrong about it, it's just that's the feeling that both of us get off of that trail, and I think if y'all are listening, you guys are probably not in your heads along, so leave a live comment below and tell us what an AT Hiker is. Nobody's commenting. Why? We're not live. Mm, depends how you define live. Would you guys be interested in a live podcast, by the way? We could do that as like a Patreon reward. We have a Patreon also. We haven't done anything with it, but we will soon be doing things with it. We have not done anything with it. So, you know, that's a thing. It is a thing, but Ish. it's really not a thing. It's a thing without be- it being a thing yet, but it will be a thing. It will be a thing. If I say thing multiple times, can I confuse myself as well as confuse them? I think you've already managed it. Okay. So the AT... Also, we can talk a little bit about mileage. We talked a little bit about it there in the beginning, but depending on your pace, you will always have a place to camp. And when I say a place to camp, the amount of quote-unquote wild camps without any structures every few miles along the Appalachian Trail. And then a shelter, you can stay in a three-walled shelter every 6 to 12 miles. There might be a few sections in there. Maine, there were fewer shelters. There was one that was like a 20-mile distance. Yeah, Pennsylvania is riddled with shelters. The south is just riddled with shelters. Also Um, privies, although I don't recommend using them. There is a double privy in... It's a two-holer? Yeah, it's scary. There's a chessboard in between the privy seats. You can't hold hands while you poop? It's a bonding experience. Did you do it? 
It's a bonding experience. Who did you bond with? It's a, it, it's a bonding experience in general. Oh, I see. Yes. Yes. You don't want to go into further details about your poop pal? <laughs> I didn't think that word would ever... I didn't think that phrase would ever come out of your mouth. It just spontaneously occurred to me. Mm, I feel uncomfortable now. I mean, okay. <laughs> you know in the Middle Ages, people used to just, like, double holers were just common. Yes. I've people... seen documentaries on Rome. Rome and also just, like, the Middle Ages in general in Europe. It was just, like totally not a private activity you could just like have a conversation with like your buddy while you were both pooping i think society ends up defining for you what's right and wrong and i don't want to use this term but brainwashes you into what's right and wrong because i think if it was just commonplace in society i'll be fine to do privy bonding over with people or no yeah privy bonding i'm gonna go with that instead of the one that you used poop pal (laughs) yeah i don't like that (laughs) i'd be fine with privy bonding over people with people but the way society is, is it's like a no-no type thing. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. That so, exists. I wouldn't use those privies, though. Who, baby. They do not get cleaned enough but for please, the amount of use. But please, 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 if you do the Appalachian Trail, do use the privies in the Smoky Mountains. Because in the Smoky Mountains National Park, there is literal sides of the mountains that... And I don't want to say this as a bad thing. It's not people are doing it on purpose. It's because... The AT does attract a lot of beginner hikers, so you really don't know how to dispose of waste properly yet. You don't you don't know until you know, right? So you're learning as you go, and the Smoky Mountains are very close into the beginning of the trail, like 200 miles in, and people are still learning. So there's a lot of surface things throughout that park that should not be there. Surface poos and toilet paper flowers. Yeah. That's unfortunate. It's upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. But in a nutshell, I mean... You're going to go through, I don't think you go through many national parks. There's the Whites and the Smokies. I don't think the Whites is a national park, is it's it? It's a thing, though. You have to, like, get permission to go through there or pay a fee or whatever. Hmm. So, yeah, you're not going through a huge amount of national parks, but you're going through a footpath that is always in the quote-unquote wilderness. You're not, I don't think you do any roadwalks on the Appalachian Trail. No, no significant roadwalk to speak of. You walk through the town of Hot Springs on a sidewalk. But I don't think that's a road walk. No, and there's like tiny little places where you walk like maybe a, not even a quarter mile on a road to get between trail. But it's it's dirt roads, logging roads. Yeah, they did a very good job on building the infrastructure. Camping, never an issue. Navigation, basically never an issue. Although I have heard of people getting lost. I don't want to talk about it. You got lost in the AT? I got turned around. There's a difference. So, again, I was hiking with old timers. So I was shunning everything electronic. So I can't use my phone. I can't use anything that could give me a easier time, so to say. And I'm still working through this. I still... You don't I'm, like to make your life easier. No. So my kind of Bible was the AWOL book. And for people listening, AWOL was AWOL Miller, who wrote like the AT guide. I'm pretty sure he still updates these guides. and People still use them. I saw a few. Yeah, it had elevation chart, town guide, everything you needed to know. So with the AT... A lot of the time, you just follow white blazes, and sometimes those white blazes are 10 feet apart. Sometimes, very rarely, they're more than a few hundred yards apart. Very rarely, though. And sometimes, you can get turned around. So, I forget what I was doing, but I walked to a shelter, walked back out, and I started going southbound on the AT because I didn't recognize what I was going by for like half a mile, and then I started running into Nobos, and I'm like, oh, okay, I went the wrong way, so... Oh, okay, I've done that on other trails. Yeah, not super lost, but like, turned around enough. Yeah, I actually did that on the CAT once. 
Were you shunning the electronical world of today? No, I wasn't. I, like, hiked way off to go find a flat spot to camp. And then, like, somehow took a different bushwhack route back to the trail and, like, ended up a little bit forward of where I had left the trail and, like, Mm -hmm. didn't recognize where I was going Mm -hmm. and just didn't look at the map because I was like, I need to go south. But... And I was like, okay, the sun is that way, south is this way. But it was one of those weird little loops where it, like, went folded back on itself. Mm-hmm. And I hiked the wrong direction until I was like, wait a minute. I crossed that bridge already and turned around. And it was, like, a mile. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doubting it. You get lost in hotels. I get lost inside because there's no sun. Okay, fine. I can navigate by the sun a lot. Sure, I believe you. I'm not kidding. Okay. I do get lost indoors. Like, honestly, almost every time I leave a hotel room, I go the wrong way. It's impressive. Also you... in malls. I cannot navigate malls. Or the... airports I'm actually pretty good at because they have lots of signs. Because outside, you do stay on track most of the time. I mean, when we were hiking together on the PNT, I got lost more than you did. And then when we would hike together, I would just follow you, and you wouldn't take wrong turns a lot. No, because I pay attention to the cardinal direction, hmm. which doesn't help you when you're inside a building. <laughs> Okay, tangent, another tangent. I don't know what else we should define about the AT. We've talked a lot about the community aspect of the towns. We've talked a lot about the community aspect of other hikers. Um, Trail Angels is another part of that community, and they're a massive part. They kind of go hand in hand with... they All all these things intermix into it themselves, and it is all umbrellaed underneath the word community. But the Trail Angels, you'd be hard-pressed not to find a Trail Angel at almost every road crossing in Georgia when you start. Super saturated. Yeah. And Trail Angels are a massive part of this trail. Shout out Miss Janet. Um, I wish I had other names on the top of my head right now, but she's one that's just gives back to hikers every year and in a massive way. So, yeah, people just live on the AT and give back to hikers, which is amazing. Yeah. Should we talk about critters? Yeah, we can talk a little bit about animals. So, well, I only bring this up because I want to talk about my shrew shoe. Ugh, okay. Yeah. So... I got to a shelter. My feet were soggy because it had been raining for like days and days. So I took my shoes off to change my socks to dry socks so I'd have dry feet for like two minutes before I walked back out into the puddle. Mm-hmm. While I was sitting there eating a snack, drying my feet out, I go to put my shoes back on and guess who's in my shoe? I'm assuming it's a shrew. It just was from, a shrew. Just from context clues. It was a shrew in my shoe. And I like poked at it and it just like looked up at me with its little nose and like wiggled its nose at me and then went back in my shoe. <laughs> and I like picked the shoe up and like started trying to dump it out. And this shrew was just like, nah, I live here now. It's my shoe. Why are you so happy about this? It was very cute. And it was like one happy, memorable moment in what was otherwise like a very sad time for me. Did you pack out the shoe? No, I eventually got the, I put the shoe down and then the shoe jumped out of it being disoriented from me having to, trying to shake it out and it ran like two feet away and just looked at me. It was like, you're going to give me some of that trail mix? Did you give it some trail mix? No, I did not. This, was it upset that you dumped it out of the shoe? It looked a little, a little f- fluffed up. Did it make a noise at you? No, but it did like twitch its nose at me and twitch its <laughs> little ears and like rub its little hands together. What's funny is I hadn't heard from Magpie when she was on the AT in 2019, I was on the Ice Age Trail. And I didn't have cell service. That's the other thing. Only Verizon has cell service. Yeah. And I hadn't heard from her for like a few days. And I was like, oh, I wonder what she's doing. And like the first text she decides to send me is about a shrew. Like, I don't know where. Not saying, hey, I miss you. Hey, I love you. So I had been texting you, but they weren't sending. So that was just the first text that you got. Oh. 
So yeah, I was kind of put off. I'm like, wow, okay. She likes the shrew, but there's nothing about, oh, I miss you. I was texting you, but they weren't going through. Okay. I didn't I, have a cell service in towns until I got to New Hampshire, basically. Plausible deniability. This is the truth. <laughs> okay. So the critters on the AT. Um, they not, bold. They are very bold. The mice in shelters, be very careful. They'll eat through your gear. They'll eat your food. Um, you're going to have a lot of mice because these three walled shelters on the AT are trafficked through a lot with people. So And, like, people drop crumbs even if they're trying to be, like, leave no trace. Like Yes. It's just, it's it's at that point a game of numbers. Yeah. It's just the amount of people that go through. For other critters, it's not like out west. You don't really have to worry about. I mean, big... there are bears. Yeah, but they're AT bears. They're very used to people, which can be disconcerting. I think I heard bears near me or around me. Yeah. Uh, like every night that I camped. And there were there was a bear that came into my campsite. Yeah. Be... But I mean, I just was like, hey, bear. And it was like, oh, no, I've been spotted and like ran off into the woods. Yeah. Be bear conscious. There are bears. I mean, when I was in New Jersey, which is a very highly concentrated place, I think I saw a few bears every day. And like Magpie said, they are kind of humanized to an aspect because they see so many hikers. So just be very bear aware and be respectful of the animal. I think the AT is going to start requiring people to carry bear canisters here shortly, which in my opinion... This is going to piss a lot of people off. In my opinion, smart move, AT. It is a Um, smart move. It should have been implemented earlier. Honestly, I would have been upset if I had to hike 2,200 miles with a bear canister. But looking back, I would be thankful that it's keeping the trail. They're trying to mitigate the constant, constant wear down of this trail. And... If you can do your part, do your part. So that's yeah. going to piss a lot of people off. They're like, with freedom! The sh- with the sheer numbers, like, I'm sure you, prospective AT hiker listening to this podcast, would not be an idiot with your food. And you will store your food properly and do a proper bear hang when it's required. But not everybody does. And with the number of people that do it, there's bound to be more than a few idiots. Yeah. Um, that percentage of idiots on trail, like, stays constant. But with the, <laughs> the, the actual number of people on the AT... Even a small percentage of people being dumb has a large impact. So it makes sense that they just require bear canisters for everyone. Yeah. And on the aspect of freedom, this could be a long one. I'm going to try to be very concise on this. Freedom is only free if you continue to let that be accessible to others. So if you do the right things for quote-unquote freedom, that same freedom can be experienced by others. But if you do the wrong thing, that's when freedoms get taken away, right? Yeah. That's all I got to say. I got a lot of feelings about this mentality. Is like, well, I'm a through hiker. I can do anything I want. No. Plain and simple, no. No. Be responsible. Be respectful. Again, it's going to be a learning curve. I did idiotic things when I first st- stepped foot on the AT. Um, I kind of had that expectin- expectedness to going into a town being like, I'm a through hiker. I should get a discount on my meal. But it's kind of like, no. Um Maybe somebody might be nice, but just go in and, and be a person. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, just because the experience is special for you doesn't mean that you are special. That's that's harsh. But you, it's true. But listen, you are special. You're special in your own unique way. But yes. I'm just saying because this is a once in a lifetime experience for you. It's not a once in a lifetime experience for the people that handle through hikers on the daily. Yes. You're just another one. And ripple effects of a bad experience with a through hiker are massively, massively, what's the word for it? Amplified 
that having so what I'm trying to say, you have a thousand positive experience with, with through hikers, that's gonna kinda blend together. There's gonna be a few standout ones that were really nice. But then you have one bad experience as a local with a through hiker, and that's gonna stick in your crawl. You see what I did there? I went back south. That's gonna stick right in your crawl, Daddy Dad. Um, and it's gonna be a while until that goes away. So I said that's all I was gonna say on the freedom aspect, but I'm gonna be upset about carrying a bear canister too, folks, but I'll do it because it's respectful and it's the right thing to do. Yeah. So bears, they are a thing on the AT. There's some bobcats out there. You're not, not gonna really see a them threat. a whole lot. You will see deer. Um, you will see hunters. Be hunter aware. Get as deep down into that southern voice that you can find. Let it roll off your mouth you like molasses. You don't even sound like Southern Carol- South Carolina anymore. Fine. What about if I sound like this? You sound like you're from Tennessee. I can do Tennessee. I don't know if I can do a South Carolina accent. To be fair. No. I can go real south. Real, <laughs> real south. Yeah, yeah, you can. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, don't don't go into a southern accent. That's not nice. But, hey, and for people that are listening and saying, hey, don't do that. That's mean to southerners. Remember, I'm a southerner. Only you're allowed to make fun of you? <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. We're getting lost here. Um, Appalachian Trail, you got animals, but there's nothing that wants to really hurt you out there. It's bears. Black bears are just basically enormous raccoons. Yeah. So, you know. There's something I want to talk about. I don't know how much I want to talk on this because I don't want to scare people away. The most potent animal that I would be aware about out on that trail is other people. Yes, for sure. The most dangerous animal on the trail is other humans. And that can be kind of spread out to any other trail, but especially where the AT is concerned, it's going through the East Coast where there are very populated areas. So you're more liable to get, I'm trying to figure out a To like have a negative interaction with a person in places where there's lots more people. Yeah, there's, there will be quote unquote vagabonds. There will be people that are down on their luck. Because the AT is so well resourced, a lot of, some people who are struggling in their life will go to the AT and say that they're a through hiker or say that they're a hiker because that means that they have access to those resources, which as a survival strategy is quite smart, but some of those people aren't necessarily in a healthy state of mind and mm-hmm. won't necessarily act rationally. Yeah, so I had a friend that she hiked it in 2017, and then she went back out to hike it again in 2019, and she said the difference between those two years, like the first 100 miles, she felt very unsafe. But again, it's situational, it's circumstantial, I don't want to say this scaring people off. I'm just saying be aware. It's a small, small fraction of a percent amount of people, but yeah, be aware of something that doesn't feel right or sit right with your gut. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, the AT with the number of people on it is basically like a mobile small town. Huh, that's a good comparison. Yeah. So if you think about the number of people who are potentially hostile in a small town, it's only a few, but it has a big impact. Yes. Um, be aware. That's kind of the moral of the story. So we're getting up close to an hour. We barely talked about the AT. We mostly talked about rambles. Um, I don't know if I have that much more to say. I mean, I only did like 230 miles of it, and I mostly had a bad time. (laughs) My mind is so conflicted on it because, one, it was my first trail, and I love that experience. But right now where I'm at with hiking, I wouldn't also want to experience that again. 
And, and I, also, I don't you're know. a grown-up now. You yeah. were, what, 21? 21, 22. Yeah. I mean, which is an adult, but is still really basically a kid. And also, I'm trying to be... I have the term. I don't know what the term is. I'm trying to be polite and not use stories that are not for all PG ears. Let's just leave it at the AT is going to have some R-rated stories oh, <laughs> for, yeah. for everybody. The I bonfire think. story? Yes, the bonfire story was something. Also, the when you got like a water pistol and filled it up with cheap vodka? That was also something. And bonfire story, for those of you all listening, it wasn't bonfire like out west bonfire that a fire started. The bonfire story was about inappropriate things around a bonfire. Regardless of that, let's just dive into the ramen review before we get past R and into TVMA and R17. NC17. Okay, that's what I meant. This film is not yet rated. No, no, none of these podcasts are. (laughs) All right, so, okay, just honestly going by my personal experience on a small section of the AT during a relatively difficult period of my life, Mm -hmm. I give this a shrimp ramen. Oh, you hit it with the full one? I really didn't enjoy my experience. I am not. I cannot comment on the AT as a whole because I have not experienced the AT as a whole. Uh-huh. I will give my personal time on the AT a shrimp ramen. We are going to get so much hate for this episode. That's why I said it was just me. <laughs> if you do... Okay, I would give Mahuzik Notch, though, which is this place where you have to do a bunch of boulder scrambling. I will give that a pork ramen. Right in the middle. Is that number three? Yeah. Okay. If you do have kind of anything to say about Magpie's opinions or the opinions stated within this episode, please direct them to Magpie. I will link her email below. Please don't link my email. You can link <laughs> them to my Instagram, which I don't use. That's not fair. I want I want the interaction to be there. Just kidding. So, okay, that's fair. I mean... I had a bad time. I don't think that the AT as a whole sucks. I just think that my AT experience was not fun for okay. the most part. You ready for a little weird of a rating style here? All right. So if my heart could rate the AT, if just purely my heart could rate the AT from the feelings within and the emotions within, I would give it, again, a... I said nothing can be perfect, but I would give it a 4.99 ramen review. Okay. So that means, like last week, I think I did a 4.95. A creamy chicken, but made not as well as you hope it would be. But it's even made better than last week. So it's An made... almost perfect creamy chicken, but you don't have any sriracha to put on it. That's a good one. That's a good one. I was also thinking there's like a few pieces of that little sweet, sweet nectar of creamy chicken flavoring in the packet still. And just a pinch of it would have brought it over the edge. I see. So if that's my heart rating, that's what it would be for the AT. If I'm rating it as a trail, purely as a trail... I would give it a pork. Yeah. It's just is. That's just what it is. It just is. It's still a trail, so you're still having a great time, and you're still out in nature. You're still kind of getting those endorphins experienced in a trail system, but there's not a whole lot of wow factor in each day unless you find it within yourself. I don't know. This is why I'm always hesitant to describe the AT because like, I start getting too metaphorical metaphysical metaphorical both both and so like trying to describe it one way i go and be like yeah it's glorious 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 and then the other way i'm like mediocre well that's the thing the the real attraction of the at is not the trail itself it's the experience of hiking it with your friends the experience of which a lot of people do this the experience of being like out on your own for the first time the first time like conquering a big goal and like 
the experience of the culture around the trail is what brings people back to it, I think. The trail itself isn't the draw. And maybe that is why that I didn't have such a good time, because I wasn't out there to experience the culture of it. I was out there to do the trail as the trail. And it's not always fun. It's more of an encompassing life than it is a trail. The AT is summer camp. Huh. Yeah, it is. It is summer camp, yeah. Yeah, it more consumes... It's not five-star accommodations. It's about the people that are there with you. That's a great way to describe it. The AT is summer camp. I think that's going to be the name of this episode. Well, not the name. It's going to be one of the quotes. Okay. Yes. I think we're done here. How do we end this? Just right now. Okay. Well, that's it, folks. We hope you enjoyed this week's chat and a little bit of trail maintenance, so to say. As this podcast is just growing, if you are interested or you yourself or you know of somebody that wants to tell their story and wants to share about who they are off trail so that they can make on trail happen, please email us. Email us at offtrailpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We would love to have a conversation with you all. Until next time, see you off trail.